I would invite you to turn with me today to Psalm 145. Psalm 145. There was a relatively well-known U.S. president by the name of Theodore Roosevelt. And uh, Theodore Roosevelt was quite a uh, larger-than-life personality at times. He's noted for many different um, uh, traits and uh, many uh, different attributes that he had. But uh, as I read about him not too long ago, I learned that one of his favorite expressions was delightful, delightful, or delighted. And uh, he would often greet people saying that it was he was delighted to meet them or it was a delight to be with them. Uh, and uh, he often went about shouting, delightful, delightful, maybe after a um, large dinner gathering or a, a big game hunt or reading a book uh, into the late hours of the night and talking about it the next day. But uh, that struck me about Theodore Roosevelt, that he loved that word, delightful. I wonder what has delighted you recently. Of course, as Christians, we're going to talk about delighting in God here in just a moment. But, uh, you know, I, I went to a John Philip Sousa concert not too long ago, and that was the word that I used, delightful, uh, after the concert to describe it to others. And uh, maybe you've had a good um a good dish or a good bowl of ice cream or enjoyed uh, something together with family and friends. And you said, what a delightful time. Um, and uh, even as we think about this hour each day, I would, uh, I would think that's a good adjective uh, by which to describe our gathering. Uh, it should be a time of delight. Um, I don't necessarily have a short title for my uh, talk today. I'll leave that up to Rick, but um, I'm talking about the role and motivation of delight in prayer, uh, specifically that our delight in God and his delight in us should really serve as a powerful motivation uh, for our prayers. Um, that last sentence would be maybe uh, fitting for a Puritan book back in the day. They had long titles, but uh, just the role of delight in prayer today as fuel for our prayer. Uh, if you think of it, as we, do, as we come to pray, we delight in coming to God, filling our time with praise and adoration, confession of sin, thanksgiving to God, and, uh, uh, and also supplication. And scripture tells us that as we come, we are to submit our wills to him, and uh, we are to seek the wisdom that comes from above, and we are to ask according to his will. As we delight in this, God also experiences delight in hearing our prayers and responding to our petitions and receiving our praise and worship. And so we come before God in prayer, and we have the joy of unhindered access to him and the privilege, the delight of uh, casting our care upon him who, does, who loves to meet our needs. If you examine in various uh, uh, translations of the Bible, you will find the word delight spoken of uh, in regards to God on a number of occasions. Uh, he delights in us. He delights in the welfare of his people. 
he delights in loving us and in blessing us. And um, God is a God of great delight. So I want to propose today that God's delight in us and our delight in him should fuel our prayer. I would invite you to look at one passage of scripture with me today that really highlights uh, what we can delight in when it comes to God. It's a passage that highlights God's goodness and God's greatness. And let his goodness and his greatness fuel us in our prayer today. I took this passage and I highlighted in one color every reference uh, that could be to prayer. That's one color. I also took another color and highlighted all the references to God's goodness. And then I took a third color and highlighted all of the references to God's greatness. And maybe you could do that as we go along today. Um, And really the heart of the passage is in verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all of them that call on him in truth. But I'd like to read the whole passage. It would just take a few moments and then make a few brief comments. I will extol There's a word for prayer. I will extol thee, my God, O King. That refers to God's greatness. And I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day I will bless thee, and I will praise thy name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works, thy wonder-producing works. And men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, of thy awesome acts, and I will declare thy greatness. They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness. That's the first reference to goodness in the text and shall sing of thy righteousness. The next few verses are full of God's goodness. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and glorious majesty of his kingdom. Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Thy dominion endureth throughout all generations. The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all of those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfieth the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and holy in all of his works. The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. 
The Lord preserveth all them that love him, but all the wicked will he destroy. My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen and amen. Just by looking over that passage, you can see that in nearly every verse, there is either a reference to prayer or a reference to worshiping God in his greatness or his goodness. For example, he's the Lord, our king, verse one. He's great is the Lord, verse three. His greatness is unsearchable, verse three. It speaks of thy mighty acts, verse four, of the glorious honor of thy majesty, verse five. And of thy wondrous works, verse 5. It speaks of his goodness. We saw that especially in verses 7, 8, and 9. But verse 14, he upholds all that fall. He raises up those that are bowed down. He satisfies the desire of every living thing, verse 16. And there are many other references to a delight in God's goodness. And then repeatedly, there are phrases that talk about prayer, like blessing the Lord, extolling the Lord, praising the Lord, our eyes waiting upon the Lord. And it ends with a great crescendo in verse 21 of our mouth speaking the praise of the Lord and blessing his name forever and ever. My friends today, I hope that this psalm may frame and fuel our prayer this this day, this hour. Over the next 45 minutes, let's, let's use maybe particular phrases or particular aspects and highlight these in our prayer time together as we delight in the Lord. I think of the goodness of the Lord and uh, the song that was uh, written probably 50 years ago or so, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me, the wonder of it all, the wonder of it all, just to think that God loves me. One man has written, Christians who spend time in prayer do it because they see that God is a great giver. That's God's goodness. And that Christ is wise and powerful and and, uh, wise and merciful and powerful beyond measure. That's his greatness. So Christians who spend time in prayer do so because they see God as good and they see God as great. The truth of God's kindness and caring for his children really should encourage us to draw nearer, ever nearer to him through prayer. Stephen Sharnock, the great Puritan, wrote about considering how God's good nature affects us and how we approach him in prayer. Sharnock wrote, the greatness of God joined with his goodness. So you've got greatness and goodness. Hath more reason to encourage our approach to him than our flight from him. In other words, oftentimes we think of God's greatness and we might be tempted to flee, but rather his greatness with his goodness compels us to flee toward him, not flee from him. His greatness never goes unattended with his goodness, Sharnak continues. How may his goodness and the great gift of his son encourage us to apply to him, to pray to him, since he hath set him, that is Christ, as an arbiter between himself and us as the go-between, the mediator, and he has appointed Christ as an advocate to present our request for us and speed those requests at the throne of grace 
and he never leaves till divine goodness subscribes a fiat or a command to our believing and just petitions. So there's the goodness of God again in Christ, our arbiter, our mediator, and our advocate. Since God is great, he has the power to help us. And since he is good, he desires to help us. He loves us and cares about our needs and our growth in Christ, which sometimes brings discipline, but it is a mercy and a grace. So as David prayed in Psalm 34, the eyes of Yahweh, the eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous. His ears are open to their cry. And God loves to listen to his children as we approach him as our heavenly father. We can do so with confidence coming to the throne of grace that we might find that mercy in our time of great need. I believe with all my heart that our commitment to prayer is really the overflow of our dependence and our trust in the goodness and in the grace of God. May we view prayer as a delight today and may that delight fuel our prayers Those prayers fuel the spirit of God and spirit sent revival from heaven. May God add his blessing to these words today. Amen.